Today, we're diving deep into a conversation about gossip and the gospel by embarking on a metaphorical journey involving apples, hot water, and the undeniable truth about life in the court of public appearances and opinions. We judge people, especially celebrities, based on their public and or polished appearances. When we go through things, people forget that the very same things that other people go through can easily come knocking at our front door. So how would we react if the shoe is on the other Thank foot? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Confidence Restored Podcast presented by CC America, also known as Confidence Centers of America and hosted by Tamaria Jordan. This is a show designed to help you build your confidence Increase your faith and get mentally fit to overcome any trials and tribulations you may encounter. Through personal testimonies of faith, inspiration, and transformation, Tamaria and guests seek to inspire and uplift you. This message is delivered by us, CCing you on lessons learned in hopes of encouraging you regardless of where you are in life. Enjoy the show. Good morning, amazing podcast and YouTube fam. Today, we're diving deep into a conversation about gossip and the gospel by embarking on a metaphorical journey involving apples, hot water, and the undeniable truth about life in the court of public appearances and opinions. So before we get to the metaphor, I ask you to consider recent news headlines. MBS News reports Kiki Palmer accuses ex-boyfriend Darius Jackson of abuse Judge Grant's temporary restraining order. USA Today, Sean Diddy Combs, Cassie Settle, bombshell lawsuit alleging rape, abuse, sex trafficking. Page six, Dean McDermott admits his alcohol-fueled rages left Tory Spelling and his kids petrified. So when I think about these headlines, all I can think about is a message I recorded and released on Friday via the Perspective View podcast titled Celebrity Gossip, The Naked Truth, Unmasking the Reality We All Share. Because in that episode, I use the same metaphor, but I discuss the topic from the standpoint of judging others when we don't have the full perspective. Because as we know, perspective is subjective. And so depending on the viewpoint and or vantage point, how we see a situation may vary. And so even with the headlines that I mentioned previously, When you search on social media, you see individuals saying a multitude of different things. And so that's why I said the court of public appearances and opinions, because on the surface, everything looks great. Everything looks grand. But behind the scenes, we really don't know what individuals face. And so we only see a glimpse of these individuals' lives, whether that's through a TV show or via a short social media posts, we do not see everything that happens. And so oftentimes people judge celebrities more harshly. However, when the situation is in their family and their households, they look at it differently. So because this podcast, Confidence Restored, is all about faith, inspiration, and transformation, I like to also add in the spiritual aspect as it relates to the gospel, aka the Bible, our faith, and the gift of salvation. And so this is a pretty heavy topic just because when you think about life and you think about experiences, 
none of it is easy. And it is four o'clock in the morning when I am recording this message because I felt led to do so. And I couldn't shake the feeling that someone needs this reminder today. But I think it will be a powerful reminder about life and how we do life, but also how we may judge and or look at others. So when we think about apples, we've all seen those pristine, beautiful, shiny apples, almost like they've just stepped out of a beauty salon. But what happens when we subject them to the heat of reality? So you saw where I poured hot water over the apple. And just like that, our picture perfect apples look a little less Instagram ready. But here's the kicker. It's still good for consumption, which is just like us. When you think about us and you think about situations and you think about things that we do and or things that we encounter, it is similar. So it's funny how when we think about it, we judge people, especially celebrities, based on their public and or polished appearances. So as we think about those things, we see them on the red carpet. We see them behind the camera. They look flawless and untouchable. Yet when the hot water of life is poured over them, we see the scandals, the controversies, the hardships, and suddenly they become just like the rest of us, just like society who faces these different things and these different experiences. Because when we look at social media, I like to say, let's normalize couple lessons like we claim couple goals. When we see individuals on social media, when we see them in the limelight, we look at them differently as though they have some type of superpower. But the truth of the matter is they are just like the rest of us. And so when we start to realize that, we can give them more grace as well. So when you think about the everyday heroes, you, I, and people that we may know, we navigate the highs and lows of life every day. But what we choose to share on social media may paint a glossy picture of our relationships, our successes, our happiness. But when the heat is on, when that apple, for instance, is exposed to heat, what happens? the real story unfolds, just like what happens to an apple. And even in the Bible, it reminds us that we are purified in the fire, our hearts, when we think about it. We are tested and we go through trials and we may go through tribulation, but it's interesting how we tend to look at things when it's not us. So how many times, if you ask yourself honestly, how many times have you judged someone's situation because we think we know exactly what we would do when we are in their shoes, if it ever comes to that. And most of the time, we probably hope that we never have to go through certain experiences. But this is actually a conversation I had with my mom recently. And I said, it's so interesting how people will say, oh, I would have did this or I would have did that. It's not until you're in those situations that you really know what you may do. So we see, especially in the United States, unfortunately, there have been an increase of mass shootings. I can say that I have actually been in two locations, unbeknownst to me that that would happen that night, where there were gunshots fired unexpectedly. And in those moments, all I could think of is try to escape. And one in particular, I recall there being a fight that broke out. I had nothing to do with the fight. I was out celebrating my birthday. It was a nice night, summer night. 
things were calm, things were quiet, but then another group of individuals had an altercation and someone in that group decided to pull out a firearm and then they shot their weapon. And essentially what happened right after that, I saw people running. I saw a young lady in front of me get pushed down and trampled over. And then next thing I know, I was going to the ground and I wanted to get up, but I couldn't. And so when I think about even that situation, we see people on the news and we look at the situations that they're facing. And there are so many things that people are facing all over the world today. There's wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and just a diverse amount of things that are happening, which Luke 21 reminded us that these things will come and that if we watch and pray always, we may be able to escape those things which must happen. But when I think about that, in that situation, I tried to get up. I tried to run, yet situations beyond my control prevented that from happening. And so I just thank God for the gift of grace and mercy that I'm still here today, that I was not on your TV screen because there was casualties as a result of that incident. And I thank God that no one lost their life that night, nor was anyone injured. However, we all could have very well been. And so when I think about that situation, again, I never expected something like that to happen. I wasn't doing anything wrong. I just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. So here's the truth. Life is unpredictable. So the same hardships that befall others could just as easily come knocking at our door. So how would we react if the shoe was on the other foot? So when we think about judgment, it is a mirror. It is often reflecting the insecurities we see either in ourselves or those in our social circles. And even when I think about social media, um, tonight I was on uh, TikTok and I saw a really powerful social media video by a gentleman named Yellow Pain, uh, Y-E-L-L-O-P-A-I-N. And it is powerful because he talks about why he's afraid of Christians and he has a new song out and the song in and of itself is super powerful because if you can imagine, and I, I will put the link in the uh, thread of the description so that you can actually go and watch it for yourself because I think you should see it. But essentially he talks about being a believer in Jesus and he believes that Jesus died for his sins, but his problem is people that he feels like he should have gotten saved from. And then he goes on to provide examples of situations where people claim to be a believer in Christ, yet they do things that do not align with what the Bible says, nor does it align with being a believer. And so he talks about the demons that people face. He talks about the fact that they may go on sinning for 20, 30 years, and then all of a sudden they come to Jesus when they get caught versus coming to Jesus because they truly have an encounter and they want to change their life. And so I thought it was powerful because he talks about in that video how he wants God to deliver him from people because he talks about how people may say with their mouth that they're a believer, but their hearts are far from them. And so when you think about that in Matthew 15, starting at verse one, it says, then some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They do not wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? 
For God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if anyone says to his mother or father, or actually it says father first, his father or mother, whatever you would have received from me is a gift devoted to God. He need not honor his father or mother with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrite. Isaiah prophesied correctly about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. They teach as doctrine the precepts of men. And so then it it continues on in Matthew 15, but it's also in Mark 7. In Matthew 15, verse 10, Jesus called the crowds to him and said, listen and understand, a man is not defiled by what enters his mouth, but what comes out of it. Then the disciples came to him and said, are you aware that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? But Jesus replied, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by its roots. Disregard them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Peter said to him, explain this parable to us. Do you still not understand, Jesus asked? Do you not yet realize that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then is eliminated? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And those things defile a man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. These are what defile a man, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile him. And so then I thought about, again, that video from Yellow Pain, where he's literally talking about the fact that these people who claim to be Christians do these things, whether it's molestation, it's abandonment, it's cheating, lying, stealing. He talks about all these things and he says, God, I need you um, essentially to fix me. I don't want to give up believing because I still remember all the times you helped me and saved me when I didn't deserve it because I'm still a sinner. It's just that all of you Christians, they were all pretenders, all of them wicked. And for the life of me, I don't see why I got to forgive them. And I said, whoo, that is deep. But even in Matthew 15, and again, also in uh, Mark 7, because it's pretty much the same um, parable in the same discussion, but in different books of the Bible, but it's talking about the fact that people can say they honor God with their lips, but their hearts are far from them. But then it reminded me of a quote I wrote um, some time ago, and I said, you can't judge God off the actions of man. We all have free will, don't you understand? But how often do we judge God? And I had this conversation because I've seen on social media a post where they say, you know, people will say, well, that's why I don't go to church. And other people are like, well, you know, you still go to the club where bad things can happen. You still go to this place or that place. And I say, you know what, that's a powerful point. And it is so true. We go where we want to go and we do what we want to do. But yet, as it relates to religion and God, especially with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we make excuses for why we don't follow Christ or don't believe. And so I was like, you know what? Even though people let us down, God doesn't. People are people. And ever since Adam and Eve, the fall of man, we know that this world is a sinful world. And we know that the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. But that is after all of the things that must come essentially happen. So in the meantime, what do we believe? In the meantime, 
What will we fight for? In the meantime, how do we be mindful and empathetic and grateful for the beautiful mess that is life? And I call it a mess because just like the slightly bruised apple that you saw in the beginning, we're all a little battered by the heat of life and we are still good for consumption, aka we are still able to be used by God because in Revelation 12, it tells us that we overcome the enemy by the power of our testimony and essentially by believing that Jesus is Lord. So it talks about by the blood of the lamb. So we are not saved by our works. We are not saved by anything other than grace and mercy, literally grace and mercy. And so in Revelations 12, verse 11, it says they triumphed over him, a.k.a. the enemy, by the blood of the lamb, a.k.a. Jesus, and the word of their testimonies. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. And when I think about death, I think about the fact that we have to die to ourselves when we become believers. But a lot of us aren't really trying to die to ourselves. And that's a a constant battle. It's a struggle because the flesh wants the flesh and the spirit wants that which is of the spirit. But yet it's sometimes difficult. So when we look at Galatians 5, it talks about freedom in Christ. And starting in verse 1, it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law, aka made right, have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor. For through the spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth. That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. And for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the 
fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. And so when I think about that, I'm like, wow, that is almost like the antidote to what we talked about earlier in terms of the fact that we are all bruised, we are all battered and we all go through things. But what people show us is the filtered version of themselves. Even in the video by Yellow Paint, the individuals are masked. They have on a mask, but behind them are these demonic faces. And that's because behind and or in our hearts are those wicked things. But it's because we have to make a conscious decision. And that is why I say we cannot judge God off the actions of man. We all have free will, don't you understand? And even when we think about what happened in the news, um, I think about even with Kiki Palmer, how many people tried to say that she was lying in the past when she talked about her situations in which she was assaulted. And then after the situation more recently where her and her boyfriend were publicly going through some things, he appeared to be righteous in the public eye because he was talking about what she wore to the Usher concert. And he said, you know, you're a mom. And so people literally gave Kiki a hard time. Some were feeling like, oh, she should be liberated because, you know, she can do what she wants to do. But then others were like, you know what? She is a mother and she should be mindful of what she chooses to wear. And so there were people on both sides. But then the newest bombshell was essentially when they when she filed for full custody of her child in alleged abuse, which now that video footage has surfaced from the situation, she has been granted that custody order by a judge. And so when we think about that, we there have been things that have been shared. So for instance, online, his brother, Kiki's mom addressed because of the things that he wrote about the situation saying that she was vile and that it essentially was a lie and it wasn't true. However, when the footage came out from the camera in the home, now people have a different opinion. But again, it goes back to perspective. Now the hot water has been poured on. Now we start to look bruised and battered and we don't look how we used to look in the public eye. So again, the court of public appearances and opinions. Similarly, with the second headline that I read, where we talked about the fact that in the news, Cassie and Diddy reached a settlement relatively quickly. But even when that situation came out, there were a lot of people saying, you know, why is she doing this now? Is it for money? And it says that the details at this point are sealed, but essentially the lawsuit alleged sexual abuse, trafficking, amongst other things. But the case is now settled and the case is settled for whatever reason. But at this point, we really don't know because my guess is they were able to figure out amicably how to resolve the situation. And even though things are not ideal and maybe, and we, we look at it as maybe not ideal, but if it works for them, why do we care so much about what happens in their life when we quite frankly 
still have to deal with the beautiful mess that is ours, our lives. And so when we think about walking in other people's shoes and we think about even considering what other people are going through, we truly can't because we don't know the ins and outs. We don't know all the details. And even with regard to the, the last article that I mentioned, because these are headlines over the last week, Dean McDermott admits his alcohol fuel rages left Tory Spelling and his kids petrified. How many people either know of a situation like that, have lived through a situation like that, where someone due to depression or other things decide to self-medicate with alcohol and they use it as a form of coping. But as a result of that, they end up harming their family or their friends in different ways, whether that's physically or mentally. But depending on who the person is causing the harm, we give them more grace. So if it's us, we have all the grace in the world. If it's others, we have all the judgment in the world. And so I think it is important for us on today and every day to consider the fact that yes, we are all human, but just like the word says, it does not give us a pass to mistreat other people. And I'm grateful for Yellow Pain for doing what he did because he's shining a light on something that happens day in and day out. And individuals run away from God because of how they've been treated by people. Again, people run away from God because of how they have been treated by people. And so what ends up happening is that those acts of the flesh the sexual immorality, the impurity, the debauchery, the idolatry, the witchcraft, the hatred, the discord, the jealousy, the fits of rage, the selfish ambition, the dissension, the factions, the envy, the drunkenness, the orgies, and the like. The Bible warns that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom. And there is this false sense of all I have to do is believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. Yes, it does say that, but it also says what we just read in Galatians 5. And so we would be remiss to not tell the whole truth. And sadly, a lot of people don't know the whole truth because they don't read it. And so even for me, it was a life lesson where I was like, you know what? I am taking what a pastor says to be the gospel, as opposed to let me read the word for myself. Let the Holy Spirit minister to my heart and tell me what it is that the Holy Spirit wants me to know and or wants me to do. And that is something that I will say over the last few years, I've gotten better at because before it was, I just take whatever people say as the word, as the truth, as the gospel versus going to God. And then again, oftentimes when we get hurt by people, we end up either blaming ourselves or blaming God. So even when we think about victim shaming, and this actually reminds me of a podcast episode I recorded September 2022 titled The Point of No Return, episode 71. And the reason that that episode was powerful and it relates to the news headlines I mentioned earlier is because oftentimes the victim will be blamed based on the experience that they have, even if it's not their fault. So I want to leave you with this final scripture. It is the story of Amnon and Tamar in 2 Samuel 13. And it says, in the course of time, Amnon, son of David, fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom, son of David. Amnon became so obsessed with his sister Tamar that he made himself ill. She was a virgin and it seemed impossible for him to do anything to her. 
Now, Amnon had an advisor named Jonadab, son of Shemir, David's brother. Jonadab was a very shrewd man. He asked Amnon, why do you, the king's son, look so haggard morning after morning? Won't you tell me? Amnon said to him, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Go to bed and pretend to be ill, Jonadab said. When your father comes to see you, say to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and give me something to eat. Let her prepare the food in my sight so I may watch her and then eat it from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. When the king king came to see him, Amnon said to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and make some special bread in my sight so I may eat from her hand. David sent word to Tamar at the palace, go to the house of your brother Amnon and prepare some food for him. So Tamar went to the house of her brother Amnon, who was lying down. She took some dough, kneaded it, made the bread in his sight and baked it. Then she took the pan and served him the bread, but he refused to eat. Send everyone out of here, Amnon said. So everyone left him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food here into my bedroom so I may eat from your hand. Tamar took the bread she had prepared and brought it to her brother Amnon in his bedroom. But when she took it to him to eat, he grabbed her and said, come to bed with me, my sister. No, my brother, she said to him, don't force me. Such a thing should not be done in Israel. Don't do this wicked thing. What about me? Where could I get rid of my disgrace? And what about you? You would be like one of the wicked fools in Israel. Please speak to the king. He will not keep me from being married to you. But he refused to listen to her. And since he was stronger than her than she, he raped her. Then Amnon hated her with intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more than he had loved her. Amnon said to her, get up and get out. No, she said to him, sending me away would be a greater wrong than what you have already done to me. But he refused to listen to her. He called his personal servant and said, get this woman out of my sight and bolt the door after her. So his servant put her out and bolted the door after her. She was wearing an ornate robe for this was the kind of garment the virgin daughters of the king wore. Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the ornate robe she was wearing. She put her hands on her head and went away weeping aloud as she went. Her brother Absalom said to her, has that Amnon, your brother, been with you? Be quiet for now, my sister. Here's your brother. Don't take this thing to heart. And Tamar lived in her brother Absalom's house, a desolate woman. When King David heard all this, he was furious. And Absalom never said a word to Amnon, either good or bad. He hated Amnon because he had disgraced his sister Tamar. So before I get to what ended up happening next, when we think about the news headlines about abuse, rape, all of those things, it is no different essentially. And it's a trigger for those who have lived through or gone through those experiences and or situations. Because when we think about it, how often is the victim shamed? And actually I had posted a video on TikTok at Confidence Restored, and uh, that's the handle. And essentially, I talked about the fact that this reminded me of this particular episode, Point of No Return, because when we think about the point of no return, it's like, okay, there's no coming back from this. However, you can come back in a sense, depending on what you've done and also depending on your heart posture. So for the woman, she can come back from a place of desolation because she can let God heal her heart and heal her wounds. For him, he can come back by repenting of his sins. And while he can't necessarily right that wrong because it's already been done, but the Bible says God will come back for the one. 
And so even when I posted that video and I was responding to the Cassie lawsuit, because some people were like shaming her and saying, you know, she's doing this for money. She's a liar. They said all of these things. This is before the settlement. And of course it didn't go to court. So we don't know the ins and outs. We don't know the details. All people know is what was listed and then the outcome, the resolution of the, the filing. And so it's interesting because someone was like, no, no one's shaming her. They're all shaming Diddy. But in that particular case, I saw both sides. I saw people jump into the uh, side of Cassie condemning Diddy and assuming that he did do what was listed in the lawsuit in terms of the alleged behaviors. But then on the flip side, people were also blaming Cassie as though she did something to deserve the treatment she received. And so we see this play out time and time again. And Thank you, Lord, for that revelation. When we think about even in Tiffany Montgomery, prophetess Tiffany Montgomery talks about this all the time. She said, we live in a culture where we would rather protect the molester than the person who's being abused. And depending on who that person is, if that person is a family member, if that person is someone that we love, we might be more likely to protect them because we know them. But what they did is what they did. And so there's consequences for our actions. And that includes our actions, meaning you and I. So when we think about these things, it is important because the Bible also tells us to be angry and sin not. And now I'm going to finish up the story from 2 Samuel. In verse 23, 2 Samuel 13, it says two years later. Now fast forward. This is why the anger, because it said they never said a word. Absalom never said a word to Amnon, either good or bad, but he hated him because he had disgraced Tamar. Verse 23, two years later, when Absalom's sheep shears were at Baal Hazor near the border of Ephraim, he invited all the king's sons to come there. Absalom went to the king and said, your servant has had shearers come. Will the king and his attendants please join me? No, my son, the king replied, all of us should not go. We would only be a burden to you. Although Absalom urged him, he still refused to go, but gave him his blessing. Then Absalom said, if not, please let my brother Amnon come with us. The king asked him, why should he go with you? But Absalom urged him. So he sent with him Amnon and the rest of the king's sons. Absalom ordered his men, listen, when Amnon is in high spirits from drinking wine, and I say to you, strike Amnon down, then kill him. Don't be afraid. Haven't I given you this order? Be strong and brave. So Absalom's men did to Amnon what Absalom had ordered. Then all the king's sons got up, mounted their mules and fled. While they were on their way, the report came to David. Absalom has struck down all the king's sons. Not one of them is left. The king stood up, tore his clothes and lay down on the ground. And all his attendants stood by with their clothes torn. But Jonadab, son of Shemiah, the same one who also encouraged the brother to do like to how to get Tamar into his room. David's brother said, my Lord should not think that they killed all the princes. Only Amnon is dead. So now he's bringing the report back to the dad. Like, oh no, it's just Amnon who was killed. This has been Absalom's expressed intention ever since the day Amnon raped his sister Tamar. My Lord, the king should not be concerned about the report that all the king's sons are dead. Only Amnon is dead. Meanwhile, Absalom had fled. Now the man standing watch looked up and saw how many people on the road west of him, excuse me, and saw many people on the road west of him coming down the side of the hill. The watchman went and told the king, I see men in the direction of Haronaim and the side of the hill. 
Jonadab said to the king, see, the king's sons have come. It has happened just as your servant said. As he finished speaking, the king's sons came in wailing loudly. The king too and all his attendants wept very bitterly. Absalom fled and went to Talmai, son of Amahad, the king of Geshur. But King David mourned many days for his son. After Absalom fled and went to Geshur, he stayed there three years. And King David longed to go to Absalom, for he was consoled concerning Amnon's death. And so because of this pain that he had, he literally allowed that pain to cause him to sin because he harbored that resentment. And so even in the examples that I've shared, we talked about the hot water of life. When we think about those apples that transition after hot water is poured over them, they are battered, they are bruised, they have scrapes, they are they don't look the same, just like us. So Tamar didn't look the same. She walked away a desolate, aka an empty woman. Absalom did not look the same because of how he felt about his brother. Amnon, Amnon on the surface looked the same, but his heart, we don't know. We don't know what he felt. We don't know if he felt remorse. All we know is he sent her away. He did what he did to her. And then he sent her away, a desolate woman. She went away with the shame. We don't know what shame he carried, if any, because he moved on, at least the appearance of moving on. And so I say all that to say, this is why it is difficult for us to truly know what someone goes through in their life. Because when we think about it, we all can very well be put in the court of public opinion. And when we go through things, people forget that the very same things that other people go through can easily come knocking at our front door. So how would we react if the shoe is on the other foot? So again, this is a reminder to be mindful, to be empathetic and be grateful for God's grace and mercy in your life. Because just like those bruised apples, we all get a little battered by the heat sometimes. But the life that we live, the decisions that we make, those are all ours. We get to wake up every day and we get to choose how we do life, how we show up, how we live. It is a choice. And for anyone that's listening, if you are not saved, the word does remind us that we are saved by the blood of the lamb, aka Jesus. And we have to believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. So if you are not saved, you are more than welcome to repeat after me the prayer of salvation. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I repent of my sins and I make you the Lord over my life. Take complete control of my life and help me to walk in righteousness daily. This is not something that we can do alone without faith, without AKA confidence, without trusting God, without believing that he, that he is and that his power still reigns supreme on this earth because we can have good intentions, but literally like the Bible says, it's what comes out of our heart that defiles us. It's all these things. So we have to pray for God's grace, pray for God's mercy, pray that God would help us so that we would not continue to fall into temptation. Because as we know, temptation is a real thing and it is hard. It is hard sometimes to keep moving when everything around you is telling you, you know what? 
It's not that bad. Go ahead. It won't hurt. Oh, you know what? You can do this. No one will ever know. Huh. Public appearances. No one will ever know, but God knows. God knows our heart. God knows what we do, whether it's public or not. So I just encourage you um, on today and every day to just be mindful of how we often will judge, but the fact that we all, when we are unmasked, deal with the reality of life. And we don't want to be those people who, as the word says, we become more harshly judged because we've judged others. And in Matthew 7, 1, it says, judge not that ye be not judged. And I realized what that meant probably within the last like six months. I had this powerful revelation where I was like, you know what? The reason he reminds us of that or the word reminds us of that is the fact that if we judge others, then now we have condemnation. And I actually quoted a message and I, I called it consequences, condemnation and conviction. Oh my, it's time to receive God's gift. Here's why. It was a powerful podcast where I talked about the fact that when we judge others, now we're convicted. Now we we are condemned. Whereas the Bible does say there's consequences for our actions, but we don't have to live in condemnation. And for anyone listening, Confidence Restored is on uh, social media, but then it's also on YouTube and there's our IG page, but on YouTube, it's under Confidence Restored. And there's a playlist that's specifically noted for the podcast. So you can actually find any of the visual podcasts that are available on that particular site and God's gift, meaning God's gift of salvation, because we all know the enemy is on assignment to kill, steal, and destroy your destiny. And that also includes your assignment. So Jesus died on Calvary for who? You and for me. And he didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. So I hope that today you are reminded that even with sin, there may be consequences, yet with godly grief, aka our convictions, we are led to live a life of repentance, which leads to life, a life of freedom, but it's freedom from sin. But we also have to make a conscious decision not to keep sinning again. So we have to stop living condemned, but we also have to stop doing the things that would allow us and or put us in a state of condemnation, like it says in Galatians 5. So on that note, I hope you all will keep on keeping on. And until next time, be blessed. Thank you for tuning in to another live taping of the Confidence Restored podcast by CC America. We are grateful that you tune in week after week and join us for testimonies of faith, inspiration, and transformation. Please be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe, and let others know that you are listening to the Confidence Restored podcast. You can also now buy us a coffee to show appreciation at buymeacoffee.com forward slash CC America. Until next time, be blessed.